I can tell you this. I can visually see what my fart looks like in audio. So it's right around the 46 mark. <laughs> I'm sure that <laughs> Zoom edited out, but it's uh, it's wicked looking. I'll tell you what. Audacity uh, caught it. I'm sure. Crazy. Yeah. Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for the PEDCAC podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people. It is week seven of 2023. I'm Chris Louie, and I don't really care who wins the Super Bowl this year. With me, I have my co-host, Havoc the Mouthpiece, who will have to wait until next football season to hope his quarterback isn't too addicted to Call of Duty so his team can make it to at least the playoffs. Uh, yeah, number one, screw Kyler Murray. Number two, I just had lunch, guys. You'd be really proud of me. I had six ounces of chicken, a bunch of vegetables, and the whole bag of Fritos. When am I going to learn? Fritos? Yeah, like I ate them all. Like I was like, oh, let's have a couple. And next thing you know, I'm just looking at the podcast chomp. notes with an empty bag of Fritos. Chomp, chomp, chomp. That's yeah. why you never eat out of the bag. You pour it into a bowl. Don't you know? I just get up and get more. Apparently, you don't understand how this works, Chris. <laughs> you got to raise that barrier to entry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's got to be rough. And we have our other co-host, the fighting Filipino, Glenn Medina. Uh, fighting Filipino? I don't understand that. Yeah, he's, Wh- he's obviously from China. Why would you say that? <laughs> <laughs> trying to, frustrated Fred isn't going to stick, so I'm trying to come up with something I, new. There you go. Well, thanks. Dude, episode 69. I mean, 69. 99. <laughs> oh, Excuse boy. me for that slip. 99. Could you believe that? This is exciting. And and thanks to all our listeners and our subscribers out there. But how did we get this far? Like, we started this and this was just, like I said, I didn't think this was going to last very long. I'll be honest with you guys. I thought I was going to get booted off the show a while ago for not really contributing much. Thanks for uh, letting me stay on, I guess, for 99 episodes. Well, that's uh, the reason why you're here today. We got some news. <laughs> why don't you have a seat over here? Yeah, just kidding. We love you. At least I'm here, unlike some other folks. That is true. Our fourth host, no Todd this week, in true Bigfoot fashion. He'll hopefully come around again someday. Combine. Todd, you suck. I hope your whole family dies. <laughs> All right, that's yet another thing I'll have to edit out, but I'll send a Todd because it's hilarious. <laughs> combined we have decades of information security experience and here not just to educate but to entertain we've got four awesome stories for this for you this week so sit back relax and enjoy the show just a reminder check out our youtube channel youtube.com slash at pedcac podcast and a reminder that next week is episode 100 so be sure to tune in for that one it will be an amazing and very special episode this week, we're going to close the loop on ChatGPT yet again and violence as a service. Open with new Apple hardware. For our first topic, Russia tries to censor the internet again. Next, we have the evolution of credit card stealing malware. For our third topic, Brian Krebs gets fooled and close with China balloon talk. Closing the loop this week, and what's becoming our chat GPT story of the week, a judge out of Columbia used the <clears throat> OpenAI chat tool to make a court decision in what is the world's first court decision by AI. The Columbian 
court filing indicates that the AI was mostly used to speed up drafting of a decision and that its responses were fact-checked. This is just like what I was talking about last week where ChatGPT could potentially replace tax preparers for simple or straightforward returns. When you need a paralegal to do some legal research or shepherdizing a case, that can easily be farmed out to this chatbot. I feel like they just send in like a fine and replace in the name and the offense instead of leveraging AI to do this. But we at the Deech household are using ChatGPT to solve real world problems, such as what should we eat for dinner? Following up on our story about violence as a service, an article in the Times shows that Iran is hiring local crime gangs to murder and assault dissidents abroad in the UK. That's it? That's your entire thing? Okay, great. Um, <laughs> when I saw this, I was like, man, I would totally use this to bully my gr- my uh, my girlfriend, my daughter's new boyfriend. <laughs> That way I don't have to do threats of violence. Just outsource it. Violence as a service. Yeah, just contact yeah. the local drug dealer, pay him in Bitcoin. I'm sure though, like, I don't know that I would fall for that. I'd be like, this is a scam. Like if that, if my only contributing thing that I could do to society is to threaten violence, I would, I would be overly skeptical. I'd like, finally, the right tool for the, the, the job. Right job. <laughs> this is what you've been training for your whole life. Yeah. I see that this is happening at other countries. Just, just I mean, is, do you think this is happening in the U.S.? It was, I think. I think one of them, at least, was. It was somebody in the U.K., I think. One of their sim swapper rivals was here in the U.S., and he hired a local gang to do a drive-by shooting at his house or Molotov cocktail through the window. I think that was our original story. That wow. sounds vaguely familiar. I think if you just want to capture bad guys all day long, I guess it would be entrapment. If you're like a federal or if you were like local government, right? You're like posting stuff on Craigslist, like come over here and chop someone's head off or break a knee for us. You like reply to it. Like that's, that's entrapment, right? I don't know. They got a lot of people on to catch a predator that way. Yeah. Those guys. (laughs) I love your episode there, Chris. A lot of them are out of Phoenix though, right? <laughs> There's an unusual concentration in the, the Phoenix area, Brian. Yeah. Well, luckily, I don't live in Phoenix, so take on your face. <laughs> All right. For our opening topic, Apple announced M2 powered MacBook Pros and Mac Minis a couple weeks ago by now. We've had to skip this topic a number of times, and it was supposed to be our opening topic, but we wasted too much time closing the loop. My M1 Max laptop is barely a year old, and it's already obsolete. I think I got news is... for you. This this topic is obsolete already. It's been three weeks now. <laughs> it Let's is. Skip it. I add, no, I added something at the end. So if you actually <laughs> oh, read oh, the show notes, I added. I did. Don't worry. I have feedback for you too. The biggest benefit of the M2 Mac Mini is now you have four Thunderbolt ports instead of two, which was a major limiting factor of the M1 Mac Mini. Separately, how the, big of a deal is that, though? Honestly, two versus four because you could daisy chain them together. You could put a USB. You could be. A, you could put a hub in there. Does it really make a difference? Because you're you're transmitting over like five gigs per second, right? I think is the rate. The limiting factor of the M1. The other one was you could only drive one external monitor. So unless you had a hub oh. or you had HDMI plus Thunderbolt, yeah, there was quite a few limitations, and I think they overcame that with the M2. 
Chris, it's, it's a Mac. It's a Mac Mini. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's a how, how many monitors do you need with a Mac Mini? Eight. As many as possible. I mean, Actually, get a Mac. Get a Mac Pro, right? So, sorry, Brian. I just no, you're I, good, man. Yeah. Chris introduced us to that that new docking station. Well, I don't know if it's new. He's probably had it forever, but it was the Cal Digit. I mean, they're not free. I think it's like 200 bucks. but this thing is a lifesaver. And the fact that I plug everything into that and I only have one cable, and this is for the power, and then somehow it jams all the data through that, it just blows my mind. It's 300 Yeah, it's $300, and it costs half as much as a Mac Mini. <laughs> I, th- I think if I buy a Mac Mini, uh, I'm still going to have to buy or still use the docking station. And the Mac Mini is probably about two grand. So, you know, whatever. Once it's spec'd no. out to what you need it to. Yeah. yeah. He can't, yeah, he yeah, can't have yeah. a base model with 256 gigs uh, of storage. And... I guess. Yeah. Did you guys well, hear I about... mean, it's, it's not going anywhere. So you could use an external drive. Sorry, Brian. I keep, oh, yeah. I keep stumbling over you. No, just stumble away. Did you guys hear the news about the new iPhone Ultra that might be coming out? Yeah, Ooh, I did. It might tell. it might not have any ports, and it might not have physical buttons. It would just take haptic feedback. Ooh, that's scary. That like so earmark this story because I'll probably have to eat crow. But this is something I would never buy. <laughs> I hear them like whatever, and then fast forward eighteen months from now, I'm like, hey Brian, how's that iPhone Ultra? I'm like, oh, it's great, it's the best phone ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guys, there's, there's no, no buttons. There's no buttons or ports. It's just a sealed machine. I use it to, to stir my soup. Get that insurance, baby. I rarely use a charging port. The only time I use it is if I need to charge really fast. I use the USB-C to lightning cable, and it, it'll charge from like 20 to 80 in like 20 minutes. That's something ridiculous. But other than that, it's always wireless charging, always iCloud really? sync. I, I never have to plug anything in. My phone's perpetually connected to it. Going back to the M1 versus M2, you know, processing wise, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't have an M2, but I mean, I have yet to kill my M1, and it's got 32 cores. It's it's clapped out, right? This thing is awesome, and I have yet to kill this thing. So I, I just don't see a jump to get to the M2 just to say that I have the latest. Yeah, I think the M2 Mac Mini actually competes with the M1 Studio, so they're high end studio the m1 is almost equivalent to their entry-level m2 now like they're just growing leaps and bounds yeah that's what it's supposed to do right so and then the studio is probably going to get replaced by the refreshed mac pro at some point so what you're saying is you're going to buy the mini anyways as am i all right for our first topic in news that is hilarious but not surprising at all the Russian Federation blocked access to the websites for the USCIA, the FBI, and State Department after posting a $10 million reward for anyone in Russia who can provide evidence that recent offensive cyber campaigns have ties to the Russian government. The so-called Rewards for Justice program has been around for a bit, and it gives financial incentives to people who turn in ransomware operators or provide information for links between governments and these alleged independent hacking groups. Russian telecommunications regulator Roskomnadzor blocked access to these websites on the ground that they are, wait for it, spreading misinformation and for discrediting the armed forces of Russia. I heard that they actually brought, uh, blocked chrislouis.net 
as well for disinformation. Apparently, you had said that apparently polyester jumpsuits and cheap cologne was an effective antibody against uh, against COVID. <laughs> the, the Adidas tracksuit. <laughs> Uh, I find it hard to believe that anyone in China would have trouble getting around this little hurdle. I think they put out some of the best malware that's out there. I don't think this is going to stop them. Well, it's not the Chinese that blocked it. It's the Russians that blocked it. I'm saying Russia creates bad <laughs> malware. Are you not listening, Chris? Come on, focus. You said China puts people out some in good China stuff. have no problem accessing that, but we're talking about Russia here. <laughs> did I really say that? <laughs> yes, you did. Review the tape. <laughs> you know what? I find it hard to believe that anyone in Russia would have any trouble circumventing this little hurdle. They put out some of the best malware. Anything else was AI. You guys are using someone's voice manipulator to have me say it was China. I don't believe that for a second. Yeah, especially with the war in the, in Russia right now, the sanctions in Russia right now, $10 million is a good incentive to turn people in. Unless they don't take USD anywhere. You're just walking around, man, I'm rich. They're like, we don't take the American dollar. I think that's a big thing over there where the US dollar probably goes a lot further than the ruble. Yeah, the exchange rate probably collapsed yeah. again. Yeah. Did they go all in on FTX? <laughs> they bought the FTT token. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie. I remember seeing these guys at Black Hat and RSA. They actually had a booth, the Rewards for Justice. And I'm like, you're you're sort of marketing to the wrong group. Like people that attend Black Hat probably already know this. And if we could turn them in, they would have already turned it in. But I guess it's just to get the word out there that if you have contacts within Russia that want to get rich, you know, turn them in. How much of a big mark are you making on yourself if you do turn people in? Like you live in Russia and you better not be living in Russia. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you, gotta you, go you would be dead in Russia. Else. You wouldn't be living there. I know. Yeah, they're looking I love that they called it miss. Go ahead. So they're looking for links between these ransomware groups and like the FSB or the GRU, their military intelligence units. And, and these are the guys that will assassinate you, even if you're in the UK or some other country. I'm just, I'm just happy to see that they have misinformation over there. It sounds vaguely familiar, like stuff that we heard in the Twitter files. But another podcast, another time. Speaking of Twitter files, have you noticed that it's kind of like non-news right now? No one's really making anything bigger of it. Last I heard was part 16 or something. I, I lost track of it, but I haven't, I haven't heard anything more recent than that. All right, for our second topic, there's an update to a strain of malware used to infect point-of-sales terminals to steal credit card data. Traditional malware infects those point-of-sales terminals and then steals the data from the magnetic stripe of the card if it's swiped, the information stored on the chip in the case of chip and pin, or the one-time passcode generated with tap to pay. In the case of the latter, when you tap to pay, it creates a one-time unique code to authorize the transaction, and it can never be used again, so it's useless for someone to steal that information. Because of that, newer point-of-sales malware contains a feature that disables tap-to-pay and forces a customer to either swipe or insert the chip into the terminal so that the malware can steal that information. Bro, I saw this the other day. I was reading the, the show notes, and I hauled over to the 
Safeway gas station to go take a picture of the, the POS. Like it literally had a sign. I went there to go buy some uh, some Rockstar energy drinks and it said, tap is broken, please swipe. Not even insert, <laughs> oh. just tap and insert. And I, so I went there and apparently they have it fixed now. But I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, you got to be kidding me. So That's scary. Okay. Yep. Well, if you swipe there, you know, keep an eye on your credit card statements. More on that later. Well, it, it's more of well, I guess it, could they infect individual machines so that way they don't it doesn't look that bad as opposed to infecting all the mach, all the POS devices in a store. So if like you know like if five registers were down, was that send a signal? Yeah, I would think so. Well, especially if it's like a like Safeway, right, or Albertsons. I, I think the reason why that probably got fixed recently is probably he's like, what the hell? Like they're big enough now. If this was a freaking vape shop, do you think they care? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. yeah, that guy making minimum wage, pushing you know jewel pods. He's like, yeah, just just swipe yeah, it, guys. Just swipe it. Yeah. Do you guys, do you guys still shop at places that don't allow you to tap? It's been I a still while. spend a lot of money in cash, actually. Really? Yeah. Oh, so you're not like the Chris Louie, uh, take advantage of reward points type of guy then? Racking I totally am, but points. for so for food and gas, we we always just do cash. Mm. A little budget it's like thousands of dollars a month, so that's going to be like not good for you because you could get so many points based off of food and gas. I'm gas okay is four percent back. 4%. It is. So you find out like when you give someone a credit card and you're like, "Hey, our budget is twenty hundred dollars a month for food, gas, and fun," and then it comes in at eight thousand dollars. I don't care how many <laughs> damn points you have, right? Like <laughs> you're overspending. So well, then you give them a credit card that has a lower limit or has limits based off of what they spend, right? So. Oh, you put a limit on your wife? Good for you, man. I just send her cash. She figures well, it out. you're putting a limit on her with cash. What the hell are you talking to me about? <laughs> but we agree upon it. But the, the weird part is when you have, I guess, for people in our household, when you when you when you have cash, you're a little bit more acutely aware of how you're spending your money, as opposed to just swiping. You just don't really pay attention. So you hear that, folks? Deech's household—they're running around with cash, so you know what to do. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Better get us on Sunday because today we do our grocery shopping. <laughs> yeah, leaving at least two to four percent on the table there, Brian. But it's—I guess—it's yeah. one of those things. Like I, I heard a story a while ago for those grocery stores where you can pay someone; they'll get your groceries and they'll come out to the curb and put it in your trunk, and they charge five dollars, ten dollars for that service. And the flip side, I was like, well, I pay $5 or $10 for that, but I get exactly what I need. And if I go into the store, I'm just going to start pulling random things that I don't need because I see it. So that ends up saving you money. So maybe it's one of those types of situations. If that's what lazy people say to justify the extra five bucks, then yeah, <laughs> go for it. Especially but there's with this kids. thing called There's this thing called self-control, <laughs> planning on a budget. Saying um, no, no, we don't need Saying this. no. We don't need that. Yeah. Sorry. We were dangerously close to actually staying on that particular thing, uh, ordering the groceries online and going to the line because when COVID first happened, they were they, that whole service was free. You yeah. didn't have a tip, so you just do. It. And what was neat about that is you could just be like, you log in, you do your order, whatever. But the next week you go to log in, it's like, do you want to order the same stuff? And like, yes, I do actually, because yeah. I'm a creature of habit. I will say the scariest thing, and by the way, there's more than one grocery store around me. This particular service was new, and what I noticed is the only thing you had to do is you pull up, you go into the spot, and you'd be like, the, the only th form of validation was just your last name on the order, right? I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. 
And so I'm poking around the store, doing my thing, doing like regular grocery shopping. And I can see the section of the store that is allocated for the, the grocery uh, delivery pickup nonsense. And they have a whiteboard of every single customer's name with a checkbox of if it's been delivered or not in the time this scheduled pickup. And I was like, man, just looking at that board, I was like, I could be Mr. Louie and see what happens. Because they don't look at your ID, no credit card, but all the names were on there. So I talked to the store manager. I kind of explained, like, I go, a really bad person would look at this. And, like, this is the easiest way to take stuff. And uh, a couple of weeks later, the board was gone or at least moved to where the general public couldn't see it. Yeah, you helped them reduce their attack surface. Congratulations. There you go. You should have asked for a bug bounty. <laughs> I potentially saved you thousands of dollars in stolen groceries. Yeah. But so what does it say the about my, the way my mind works? My bad you still person. use the service? That's the hacker mentality. You have the hacker mindset. Yeah. How would a hacker take advantage of this? So, Glenn, the moment that they started charging for it, I stopped using it. Yeah. These newer strains of malware can also filter on the type and tier of credit card information to steal. For example, they would not want my prepaid Visa card because there's only 100 bucks on it. However, they would want the card details of Brian's American Express Black card because it does not have a spending limit and will sell for potentially thousands of dollars on the underground hacking forums. You misheard me. I have, I have an Annex Black card. So it it's, uh, has a $100 limit and just has a, just a bunch of shame on it. I think that's the answer, Brian, is to get a limited, uh, a, a prepaid limit uh, card and give that to the family members as opposed to cash. And you still get the benefits of the rewards. I don't know if that works. Maybe. Maybe. You're right. I, I should look into it. $200 a month is a lot. So, Yeah. 2 to 4% on the table, man. Yeah. Holy cow. $2,200 well, a month on food. and Yeah. Well, yeah. Food, I forget yes. about that. We eat a lot of eggs. <laughs> $2,100 in eggs, guys. Eggs alone. <laughs> you should go get your own chickens. I'm not against that idea. I like it, actually. Free alarm clock. That's it. Well, you got to get hens, not roosters. True. All right. All right. For our third topic, this is a follow-up to a story we did last year, but I thought it was interesting enough to have this be a full topic instead of just closing the loop. A former Ubiquity developer pleads guilty for trying to extort his former employer. We reported about the Ubiquity breach last year, and it ended up being a disgruntled employee that stole the data and changed the logging to cover his tracks. The strange twist here is that the hacker contacted Brian Krebs, posing as a whistleblower for the data breach, and to try to pressure the company into buying his silence. Ultimately, the guy got caught because his IP address led investigators right to his front door. He had used the VPN provider Surfshark to hide his tracks, but his IP address got exposed one night when there was an internet outage, and when the internet came back on, the IP address linked to his house was logged as he ran commands to clone the GitHub repositories. So huge OPSEC fail there. Wow. You know, he's probably like, damn it, CenturyLink. And you know what's funny about that? A little play on words here. <laughs> a lot of people call CenturyLink that work for them C-Link or Clink. And they walk around like it's handcuffs. Now this guy <laughs> is literally in handcuffs. In the clink. Clinking. He's in, in the, the clink, clink, baby. 
Yeah, bad Why? luck for that one, but they caught him. <laughs> Hate to put you in the spot, Glenn, but can you describe what an IP address is to the peop- to the listeners, please? I can spell IP, I, and P. <laughs> uh, what do you What do you guys think? This is like no deed. I mean, this is this is like too rich for my blood. Like I said, I don't I don't like the gold. I don't like handcuffs. I don't like the silver on my wrist. This is something that it would drive you guys to do something like this ever. And how many people out there would think of stuff like this? It's like, yeah, like stealing a, you know, a tenth of a penny or one thousandth of a penny for every transaction. Like, those are things I could never really do on my own or would do and think about doing. I just yeah. look, I'm opportunist. This this talk track is just going to help me position zero trust to everyone I talk about. Insider threats, how we could have prevented it. Exactly, insider yeah. threat. Yeah, the, the thing was, because I, I remember we, we reported at the time, Ubiquity said there's no evidence of blah, blah, blah. And the only reason they could have said there was no evidence was because they turned off logging. There was literally no log, so there's no evidence. And <laughs> it turns out this guy just set log retention to one day. So he'd go in there, mess around, and then if he made it a day, the, all the logs would be erased. But there's no warnings, no red bell saying, are you sure you want to turn off logging for only 24 hours? Yeah, but this goes back to like who's watching the watchers, right? I suppose this guy's a dev, so the internal security team it should have been setting off alarm bells that says who turned off logging? Why is logging only yeah. lasting twenty four hours? Like this should have been a huge red flag. Yeah, I, it, 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 <laughs> even though it was insider threat, it almost tells you also that Ubiquity didn't have the right pieces in place to catch this. Yeah, absolutely no, no internal controls whatsoever that a developer was able to clone a. GitHub repository to his own personal account, or it was bigger like than that, guys. It was bigger. <laughs> Before this all started, there was a meeting, and everyone's like, "Our Splunk budget is through the roof. We got to turn off logging." And so he's like, "He's like, wow, this is the perfect opportunity I've been looking for." <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. No, that's that's probably the case because even if you turn off CloudTrail and AWS or whatever, you should still be sending it to a sim. And that sim should be recorded for all time or at least seven years or some kind of crazy retention period. But yeah, the fact that they just had no logging, they, they were able to say we have no evidence of a breach. It's just some word semantics at that point. Yeah, I, I still think there's faults on both sides. So the fact that Ubiquity may have covered it up or just didn't even know is just, that's not good. But like I said, there's many other companies that are probably doing the same exact thing. I like Ubiquity still. Keep going, guys. For our last topic, and it'll be a rotating topic every week, this week we're going to talk about the other story that won't die. A Chinese spy balloon was allowed to fly over the U.S. from coast to coast. The Chinese government says that the balloon is being used for academic research and just happened to blow off course. The U.S. government eventually shot it down over the Atlantic Ocean after floating over the U.S. for four days. There are a number of jokes and conspiracy theories about this balloon. What do you guys think is going on here? All right, it's multiple. Just weather. <laughs> <laughs> All right, multiple choice. Is it A, this is Brian's opinion. I'm just happy they shot it down after it was done spying. Was it B, it was actually Jeffrey Dahmer's balloon, and it was just saying, relax, I just want to take a picture. Or was it C? If you think that's bad, wait till you get a load of TikTok. 
<laughs> all the above. <laughs> all the above. D. And then the one that you'll have to edit out was it was actually a clever trick to get everyone to look up while million. <laughs> it's doing facial recognition while it got everyone to look up. Right. Yeah. Well, the balloon looked like he had a satellite attached to it as well. Like, must yeah, have been batteries. Solar panels. Yeah, it had yeah. solar panels attached to it. So whatever the balloon the kept it floating, the solar panels kept it powered on whatever spying operations it was doing, transmitting it back home to the satellite. Why, why wait? I, I, I still don't understand that. The minute it crossed the U.S. airspace, it should have just been shot down. I don't get it. Yeah, they said the Air Force was, or NORAD, was tracking it for, for days even before it reached the U.S. shores. That thing would have yeah. screwed up the plane ride in a in a heartbeat. Yeah. I would have just, you know, if I was the U.S., I would have released one over China and see what they did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's for academic, purely academic research. Yeah, yeah. Did they retrieve it and was it damaged? It had to have been damaged if they shot it out of the sky. At least popped the balloon, right? Yeah, it's, I think as of right now, they're in the salvage phase of it. I just saw a headline before the show that said the wreckage is moving, so I don't think we've gotten to it yet. And that, that's the other thing. Why shoot it over the water? Why shoot it over some <laughs> cornfield in Nebraska and then just go, go over there and retrieve it? I'm just glad it went from the Pacific all the way to the Atlantic before we got in hands and eyes on it. You know what's going to be funny? Like, or maybe it's ironic. They, they get there, you know, they crack it open courses of windows computer and then they find out that the log retention has been set to one day and the ubiquity <laughs> guys is laughing his <laughs> <ass> off. <laughs> or it's a it's a trojan horse like that james bond movie it's a windows machine in there we plug it into our darpa network and it just hacks our, <laughs> our defense network <laughs> uh, or chat gpt's on there and they can ask it questions yeah what is your purpose know. Find John Connor. <laughs> so you got to use thing... your Arnold voice, though. Do Find it. John Connor. Yeah, I don't know about that. One thing that was interesting for me that I just learned about this was the fighter jet they sent up to shoot down this air balloon. It was an F-22 Raptor. It's a stealth fighter. So it's, it's, a, it's a fighter slash bomber, but it's most known for being a, a fighter. And this is the first time the U.S. has admitted that the F-22 has an air-to-air kill. So in the 25 years that this fighter jet has been around, we've never had an air-to-air kill until it hit this balloon. Not that we know of. No, that not we that's know been of. released. Exactly. Yeah. All I know is that was a great way to spend a million dollars. Israel yeah. could have taken that thing out in two seconds. <laughs> Their Iron Dome would have eliminated that thing. <laughs> I tell you yeah. what, like I said, we should just release a whole bunch of balloons ourselves and just call it for research. See who yeah. shoots it down and see who's on our side and not. Exactly. I think it was a Raytheon missile that cost $400,000 and then plus the flight and everything to get it out there. That was a, I don't know, was that was a good use they, of they taxpayer could, money or not? They, could, they couldn't <laughs> send something cheaper to go intercept this thing. <laughs> like there's that That's meme of, of, it, it's, an aerial shot, I think it's from a drone, and it's like a guy in like a white beater shirt and his his wife Drunk throwing beer. like beer bottles at it. And this is this is the last shot of the Chinese balloon as it flew over. And then you insert your state here, North Carolina, Florida, whatever. <laughs> I saw that one. That was a good one. So how high up was this balloon? 
from what I read, it was it was high enough that the F twenty two actually couldn't use its guns to shoot it down. I think the F twenty two had to fly to its maximum height limit and then launch the missile, and the missile went further up to take it out. It was, it was high altitude. Did it explode or just poke a hole through it and keep on going? <laughs> Land in the <laughs> backyard. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I think the video. I it it definitely popped the balloon. I don't think it exploded on impact, but it popped the balloon and the, the satellite fell to earth or into the water and we got to go recover it i'm sure china wants it back i'm sure elon right now is like you know i could have just landed that missile yeah right send up one of his falcon rockets for less than four hundred thousand dollars that's wild yeah it's interesting they see what what it was a ground penetrating radar they want to see where our military installation base the other tinfoil hat theory completely unfounded but one of the thoughts was they allowed the balloon to fly over certain U.S. bases and they made it, they positioned what they wanted to to make it look like it was either better armed or not as well armed. <laughs> so it's kind of like a false flag operation. Like, yeah, you can come invade us. We don't have any fighter jets at this air base. So, so, so they had a bunch of tanks that were draped in... in, uh, in Inflatable. In, uh, inflatable tanks. Inflatable, like in inflatable tanks and planes. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to top of my house and put a use a, a series of styrofoam cups to make a penis and balls. <laughs> like hey, photograph this. <laughs> I'm sorry, penis and testicles, so we can not be edited out. <laughs> yeah, the other jokes is somebody photoshopped on the balloon and says, "We've been trying to contact you about your car's extended warranty." <laughs> <laughs> That's my that my awesome. greatest troll line for LinkedIn when people post important things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll see what, what happens from this. Maybe once we recover it, we'll find out what was really going on. Although, I have to imagine if China had any kind of communications with this spy satellite, that right before it got shut down, they'd send some kind of kill command to wipe everything. Yep. Well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. This week, Glenn's up. So, my wife apologized to me for the first time ever today. Why? She said she's sorry she ever married me. (laughs) (laughs) Insults disguised as a compliment. Good for you, man. All right, I can drop. tell you this. I can visually see what my fart looks like in audio. So it's right around the 46 mark, 46 minute mark. <laughs> I'm sure that <laughs> Zoom edited out, but it's uh, it's wicked looking. I'll tell you what. It could be in stranger Audacity. things. Audacity caught it, I'm sure. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put that as an NFT. <laughs> <laughs> All right, to wrap things up. Chat GPT might convict you soon. Apple's hardware refreshes continue to amaze people. Russia does not like snitches. Beware of credit card terminals that don't accept tap to pay. Ubiquity hacker gets his day in court. And there's no need to go full Red Dawn yet. That's all we have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Pebcac Podcast. 
thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who raised five stars in the iTunes store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the PepCac podcast in your favorite podcast listening app. For my co-host Brian Deach and Glenn Medina, I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next weekend. As always, have a nice day. Thanks, everyone. Tired of hate you. <laughs> this is getting a love you, buddy. <laughs>